As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Spin Rate, presented by Topps. Check out Topps Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Topps baseball cards. That's right, this is Spin Rate, the Athletics Toronto Blue Jays podcast. My name is Drew Fairservice, and we are here talking about your uh, triumphant, back over 500 Toronto Blue Jays. And I could not talk about your Toronto Blue Jays being over 500 without the co-host of Spin Rate. She covers the Toronto Blue Jays for the athletic herself caitlin mcgrath caitlin how are you i'm doing well i'm very well rested i took a few days off um at the end of the week and that recharged me so i'm ready to go for this week for blue jays playing the mariners and whatever else comes up this week it's always good to take time off, but now that you're back, you'll be back writing about the Toronto Blue Jays. And if anyone who's listening to this wants to read it, what it is that you write about the Toronto Blue Jays, they should go to theathletic.com slash spin rate and subscribe. Subscribe to The Athletic, get yourself a sweet price, and let them know that we sent you to get all of the draft stuff, the trade stuff, and all of the ins and outs and stories, the beating heart of the Toronto Blue Jays beat from Caitlin. So go to spin rate. Wait, theathletic.com slash spin rate. Subscribe. And then subscribe to the show. We have got you covered. We do two episodes a week now, which is super fun. We talk about the Blue Jays on the weekend, then we talk about them again during the week, about whatever comings or goings. We have guests. We have Caitlin. We have me. And we have ourselves a good time. So go to Spotify. Go to Apple Podcasts. Go wherever it is that you get your podcast and subscribe to the Athletic. Sorry, subscribe to Spin Rate. If you subscribe to The Athletic, you can listen to the show through the app and you don't have to hear, you don't get to hear, I guess I should say, any ads. And while the Blue Jays didn't have the weekend off, they effectively had the weekend off playing against the Baltimore Orioles, getting well against the bottom-dwelling Baltimore Orioles. The Blue Jays all came close to sweeping four games from the Orioles, but instead they took three of four, which is... uh, you can't really complain that loudly. It sucks. You hate to see them lose the way that they lost. But you know the one thing I kept thinking about this weekend, Caitlin? What? 
Blue Jays right now, four games over 500. They're in tough. They've had a tough schedule up until now as they're getting fat facing the Orioles. The Blue Jays in 2019 were bad. They were as bad as they've been, you know, franchise history wise. They only won 67 games, which is truly one of the worst seasons in Blue Jays history. Yep. 95 losses. 95 losses. You have to go back to basically when they were like an expansion era team to get that many losses. But you know what? This year's Orioles team will have to move heaven and earth to avoid losing 100 games. They would be pleased as punch to get away with only losing 95 with only losing 95 games only which is to say that while it sucks to watch a bad team like the blue jays were bad in 2019 to watch the, a team like the 2021 orioles is so agonizing i can't believe that this still happens and then we as baseball fans and people who are close to the game still allow this to happen <laughs> because so the Orioles have one really good prospect. They got Adley, uh, what's his name? Hutchman? Hutchman? Rutch, Rutchman. Rutchman. He's Rushman? knocking on the door. He's in double A. He's almost ha- as having as good a season as Gabriel Mourinho. Mm-hmm. But like, is, is there more? Like, are the Orioles going to be good again? Ever? Is it? Uh, it nothing is going to be worth, if you're worse. Sorry, nothing is going to be worth. What comes out of this phase, I can't imagine it being worth sitting through this. It's such garbage that they're just so obviously tanking because they are so, so bad. And I'm glad the Blue Jays won three or four. I wish they had won four or four. But, man, it's nice to, uh, to again, get fat off of this terrible part of the season, which you, Caitlin McGrath, with your hashtag, 19, mm-hmm. 19, to, 19 <laughs> to go. They've only got 12 left now. But yeah. they've won what? Um, well, they won two of three, and then they won... Three, three or four. four. So they've won five of seven? That's pretty good. Pretty good math, too, for me. Pretty good math, right there on the spot. So, <laughs> I mean, I guess almost from a, like an evaluation perspective, there's not a lot we can take from a four-game series against the Orioles because they're just really that bad. Two things I want to say. One, the Orioles are bad. It is also remarkable that there is a team worse than the Orioles right now playing in the major leagues. Uh, the Diamondbacks mm-hmm. are... 22 and 57. Now, I don't watch the National League enough to know what exactly is happening with the Diamondbacks. Um, I don't think that they were necessarily supposed to be as bad as the Orioles. I think there's a lot that's gone wrong with their season. And a lot has, like, I know, like, Madison Bumgarner has not been very good. And there's probably a lot of other stuff that's gone wrong for them. But that's another team that's, I'm not sure where they are in terms of, like, when it's going to get better. The other point, because this is not an Orioles or Diamondbacks podcast, the other point I wanted to make, though, jumping off what you said there, is that I do think it's maybe it's easy to forget or we don't talk about enough how quickly actually the Blue Jays have turned around from their rebuild. So, like, you look at 2015, 2016 were playoff teams. 2017 was not good. That was disappointing. I would say, though, the sort of rebuild really started in earnest more like 2018. That's when they started trading guys like Jay Happ was traded. The deadline became a a big 
um, point where they were sort of offloading guys and trying to retool. And then you had like Vladimir, you know, killing it in the minors and you knew the next wave was coming. And then 2019 was the season. Like it was very bad. They lost 95 games. They were not a good team that year, but they were also transitioning those guys to the major leagues. And then 2020, you know, weird season, 60 game season, but they made pretty big steps, um, that season and they were a a winning team last year. But to go from 95 losses in 2019 to, I don't know what they're going to finish this year, but they're going to be a better than 500 team. They um, could be a very good team. I mean, they look like a team that's on their good days capable of winning the AL East. On their bad days, they look like a team that's destined for fourth place. So they could kind of be anywhere in that, which is why this season is so interesting. But I think like this is sort of the point that I've tried to make a few times and maybe not successfully, but I just think like it's good to remind ourselves. It's good to remember that this is still a, a team that's like only two years removed from being very, very bad from losing 95 games, which is a pretty sure sign that it's a bad team. And in that, in that two year window, they've really turned around. Like they've really, you know, made progress. And is this season going to be where, you know, it all pays off. I don't know. We'll see. But it, you know, it is it is good to remember though when you see teams like the Orioles, where that rebuild was also going on in 2019 for the Orioles, and they don't look like they've made much progress at all. If anything, they've regressed further. Absolutely, and I think it's I think about the Astros, right? Because the Astros were um, so bad; they lost 100 games three years in a row. Mm-hmm. Right, they lost. They they spent so much time losing. But the interesting thing I think is that the 2019 Blue Jays that we've already agreed were bad. There are so many players from that 2019 Blue Jays team that was bad that are on the 2021 Blue Jays team that's pretty good. Not yeah. great. Still got some holes. But like they're a lot closer to being a good or very good team than they are to being the bad team that they were before. And it's not just Vladimir Guerrero Jr. who is obviously. Leaps and bounds, bounds. It's not Bo Bichette who is, you know, who came in, only played a few games in 2019, but is now, you know, very good. They've made additions to the team, which is one thing, but it's like, it's the Kevin B, or sorry, it's the, it's the Teoscar Hernandez and the Randall Grichicks in a way. And, and even some of the guys in the bullpen, much maligned as it is, uh, you know, the, the Trent Thorntons, you know, guys, guys, well, Tim Mesa. Yeah. Guys that were mm-hmm. around getting their brains beat in, losing 95 games, but are now still able to contribute to a team that wants to make the playoffs. To me, there's a lot of value in that. Because when you think about those, those bad Astros teams to like what came after, what, who is, who's remaining, who was on the good teams that was also in the bad? Maybe George Springer? Maybe Jose Altuve? Their core, their, the, the core that came up. But, but even those guys, like the kind of, kind of Carlos Correa wasn't around for a lot of like the really, really bad years, I don't think. Right. So like, but even that, but like the core, which is again, we, we, we can separate Vlad and, and whoever else. Are there going to be guys who are, who are worth a damn on the 2021 Orioles that are on, like maybe Cedric Mullins? Is he, where does he mm-hmm. fall in all this? I don't know. He's pretty good. He's having, John. Hmm? John Means, like John Means is probably like a guy you could build around. Oh, is he? Let's see what happens when John Means comes (laughs) back without all the gunk (laughs) on his hands. Let's, I'm really eager to see that, see how John Means pitches without all that crap stuck to his fingers because he is brutal. He was brutal for loading up the baseball before. So, you know, the the Jays, they did, they, they did, 
what they needed to do. They went in, they saw bad pitching, bad starting pitching from the Orioles, and they beat it up. Maybe they didn't beat it, beat it up in, as in, as immediately or as instantly as they did, but it didn't take, you know, if whoever, uh, Brandon Hyde getting a little greedy, sending somebody, sending his kind of poor shell-shocked starter out there to face Vlad and Bo and everyone for a third time, he was made to pay. And then when you get into the kind of the lean parts of the Orioles bullpen, the Blue Jays, they scored a ton of runs. They, they played in a game that was moderately close. Uh, they may had a few games that were made a little bit closer, but again, against a bad team and obviously admittedly a, like a purpose built bad team, you still have to win those games. And, and they could have, it could have gone either way, right? While they, while they, they did sweep a lot of, a lot of, uh, at a lot of points over the last couple of days that or over this four game series, there were, there were games that could have gone, gotten away from them. And then we'd be having a much different conversation, even if they lost today on Sunday when we were recording. Right when it was when when the bases are loaded and uh, and and Patrick Murphy's in there and then they took they took Murphy out and then it was uh, that was Meza in there against uh, mm-hmm. against Trey Mancini, right? Mancini goes long in that in that at bat. We're having a very different conversation, and it's only one game, right? Even if we put aside the the bullpen blow up that happened on when was that Thursday night, Friday night? I can't remember Friday. Friday. You know, if the Blue Jays come out of this with a split. Because they gagged away another lead, we're having a very different conversation. But such is the nature of the narrative in the game today. Where again, you 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 have to acknowledge and 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 be pleased if you're a Blue Jays fan with the way that they took care of business largely over the weekend, and you get to be pleased because you get to watch Vladimir Guerrero Jr. every day, which is ridiculous. Yeah, quite a treat. I'm actually intrigued by their next series against Seattle because I think it's fair to say Seattle is overachieving right now. I mean, I'm looking down and their record is 41 and 38 right now. Um, So they're playing above 500. And I think that they have a really not good offense or for most of this year, they haven't had a great offense. I know their bullpen has been pretty good. I assume their starting pitching has been sort of like middling, but there's sometimes there's teams where like I look at some of the stats and I look at their record and I'm like, how are they doing it? Are they just winning a lot of close games? Are they, you know, how are they actually getting to this record? So I haven't spent a lot of time watching Seattle because of the West coast and all that. So I'm actually kind of intrigued to watch the blue Jays play this team because, you know, they play in uh, the AL West and it's not quite as competitive as the AL East, but it's also not the AL central. So, you know, they're playing, they're playing some tough teams and uh yeah they they have a one one they've won one more game than the blue jays so they had before okay. today i think i think at this point the blue jays have won 40 now yeah and seattle's, oh seattle's won 41 oh they have to but they're, but they're only three but, games. but they've lost right yeah yes correct the blue jays are four over 500 seattle's three uh seattle's yes. bad i think is what i would safely say um, they yeah, have been, probably. They they have a, not a lot of great offensive players. I think that's a that's a fair assessment of yours. Uh, there are guys that are that have been, that are hurt that are really good, like uh, like Kyle Lewis, who I have a lot mm-hmm. of time for. I think he's a great player, but he is injured right now. Um, and then you you know you've got a lot of kind of odd odd names here and there, but JP Crawford, you know, kind of the post hype sleeper type of prospect guy. But again, this is it's a good opportunity for the Blue Jays to again take on and beat a team that they should quote unquote beat. 
a team that's probably mm-hmm. not as good as they are. A team that doesn't have a great deal of starting pitching depth. They have what Marco Gonzalez, who is like their kind of homegrown guy or the guy that they have taken in as their own. But it's the, if 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 the Blue Jays expect to be a playoff team, this is the this is the kind of thing that they can't they can't allow themselves to get beat by because this is it's just like you know well it's great that 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 Seattle might win more games than they should have or they're they're outpacing their. Um, they're, what's it called? Expectations. Yeah, and they're like, you know, they have they've they they're they have a negative run differential, so oh, like yeah, they're yeah. not. That's always a, a a marker of a team that's probably not as strong as a team like mm-hmm. the Blue Jays, who have a strong run differential, um, better than the Yankees, who of course have now slipped into fourth place behind them in the American League East. The Yankees are really having a hard time scoring runs and doing things that aren't getting their brains beat in by the Red Sox. But uh, this is, uh, you know, it's a decent test in in some ways. It's obviously a better test than the Orioles, but it's not going toe to toe as we've seen them do, you know, in the last month when they've they kind of went in and and got beat by Chicago a bit, and they played the played, played Houston and got beat a little bit, and and it's just one of those things where this is a team that they need to be able to make hay against, as they say, make hay, make hay yeah. in twenty twenty one. Here we go. We'll be right back with more spin rate, but first, check this out. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. They were following the narrative that I think we were all talking about even early June, where we're like, they got to get through this hard part of the schedule. And they survived that hard part of the schedule. I wouldn't say they thrived during it. You know, they got swept by the Yankees and they were at sort of a low point. Um, But then they did take advantage of the sort of easier schedule, playing the Orioles and playing Miami and then playing the Orioles again. And now they got Seattle. So, so far they've kind of followed the script. They're feeling good. And I think that no matter... You know, the major major leaguers look at wins as wins and they understand that teams are still capable of winning on any night. And, you know, odds are that Blue Jays should beat the Orioles. But as we saw on Friday, the Orioles can beat the Blue Jays. And so I think that it's totally possible that the Blue Jays are gaining some momentum from this, even though maybe when some people look at this part of the schedule, they say, oh, well, it's not a big deal because they're, you know, they, these are teams they should beat. But the way the players feel is like, they're winning and they're they're playing good. They're scoring a lot of runs. I think they put up 31 runs over four games against the Orioles, which is a lot of runs. And they're feeling good about themselves. And these are the types of runs where, um, yeah, it can kind of carry teams a little bit. You, we've seen that throughout the majors this year. Where, you know, we talked about this last episode where good teams do win a lot in a row. And 
Um, I, obviously the Blue Jays win streak was snapped there with that Friday loss, but it's like they've won seven of eight or whatever it is, or five of six. And so like, these are good runs that you want a good team is going to have, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You, you have to take advantage of, of the, the schedule as it's presented to you. And, and, and if you're the Blue Jays, again, you, you take it one day at a time. The players on the field are only going to, they can only win tonight's game. They can't win the ones down the road, but you have to look across the field and see the Mariners and be like, we are better than they are. Right, we're going to win tonight, and 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 you 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 know that was the a good team should feels that way every night, mm-hmm. right? And it's it's the difference between between being an okay team that's happy to get a, happy to get a result, as we say in the in the in the <laughs> footy world. You go in, and you want to, you're hoping to get a result versus expecting to win every time you pull the shirt on over your head. And the Blue Jays have a decent you know schedule kind of in the run up to the uh to the all-star game so they've got these games against uh against seattle then they have they will host the rays for three in the first uh you know next weekend and then they'll have three more against the orioles again bless and then three <laughs> more against the rays so obviously the Ra- the blue jays are in tough against the rays again a team that uh that that you would look across the field and be like we're better than them and then the next thing you know you've lost two of three because they just keep runs off the board and do crazy things and score runs in weird ways and uh you know the the Rays actually bless Shohei Otani. Did the did the did Blue Jays fans a solid a by existing and b <laughs> and being the most entertaining and greatest ball player who's ever walked on this earth? And then he single handedly dragged the Angels past the Rays here on Sunday with an unbelievable. What did Otani had a double, a triple, and home run and stole the base, all while hitting second. All without Mike Trout, all with Anthony Rendon, who I think is still hurt. He fouled the ball off his knee; it was like really bad, and I think he's been messed up ever since. But uh, it's a it's a good little schedule ahead of the All Star game. And again, we talk about Seattle and compared to the Blue Jays. So the Blue Jays have. Do we want to talk about the All Star game a little bit? They've got five got five guys that are in the finals finalists for uh, for All Star contention. Is yeah. that does that sound about right? Yes. Vlad is leading all first baseman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marcus Semien's leading second baseman. Mm-hmm. And then you have Bo in the, as among the finalists for shortstop. And then I believe Teoscar Hernandez and Randall Gritchuk are in the finalists for outfielders. So that's Which five. that's, that's five. And, and I think we you can probably expect uh, Marcus Simeon to make his way onto the team. Um, either Vlad's way. A, Vlad's got a good shot. Well, Vlad is a Vlad is a shoe in. I think we can. We, we I've like already just like moved past that. I'm just yeah. like, well, yeah, he's going to be there. <laughs> Excuse me. But, he got the uh, most votes of any major leaguer. It was like over two million or something like that. But it, it was like the most votes for anyone, not you, just in the AL. Do you think that's because he is having an insane season? I think so. Do you think that's that might be why? Here's here's a fun thing. So. As I said, the, the Mariners are probably not as good as the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays have five players who are nominated um, or are finalists for the All-Star Game. I go to the Mariners' website, nothing about any of them <laughs> being finalists. <laughs> I don't think they have a single uh, like Hall of, uh, All-Star Game eligible player. Obviously, somebody will get to go and uh, and go to Colorado, but uh, the Blue Jays are in a good spot right now. I mean, I don't think that Tasker Hernandez and Randall Gritchick are, are going to make it. I don't think Bo Bichette is either. His shortstop is a little bit too loaded a position, but... Uh, I think I think Bo could slip in there if you had Bogarts as the starter, and then you had like Correa, mm-hmm. and then maybe Bichette is like the third 
kind of like the reserve if they that's, bring that's not that's not the worst idea i've heard not the, not the least likely thing I, it, which is sorry that didn't that didn't come out right you're right that that is that is a bit of a better a, a bit of a more likely that bo makes it than i think i i had dismissed it out of hand I'm not going. but but you're right i don't think he'll be a starter but one thing i wanted to ask you we won't stay on all-star for a long time but do you think that I was thinking about the stag as we're looking at the numbers? Do you think the Blue Jays have any sort of advantage in in the fan voting because they do have a fairly big market if you're counting all of Canada as their fans and now Buffalo as opposed to yes, like the Red Sox and the Yankees, they have fans everywhere. But there's smaller market teams that they can't they can't get that many votes out. I wonder. I just I'd seen five Blue Jays. I didn't count. Um, how many other teams had that many, but mm-hmm. I'd say the Blue Jays at five was probably among the most. And I just wonder if like their bigger fan base and the Buffalo adding to it. Helps definitely. I definitely vote. think that the Canadian voting block works in mm-hmm. the Blue Jays advantage in something like this, especially in the, in, you know, in the old days when it was, you had to go and punch the ticket thing at the ballpark, yeah. which was the best, so much fun. love to do it every single time. But you no, know, that would obviously fa- heavily favor whoever was selling the most tickets, which you know yeah. largely was you know in recent history would have been the Yankees and whoever else, and and we you've seen that in other sports in particular um, when it like with like Yao Ming or or you know if there's a if there's a if there's a national voting block that can get behind any one player as or in this case it's any one team because it's it's effectively like if there was one team in California. Right? Who would everybody vote for if it was one team in all of California? Right. If it was um, just and, the Dodgers and, or something. Yeah. If it was only the Dodgers and everybody agreed to all enjoy the Dodgers, which they obviously do not. But uh, <laughs> I also think that um, that that in Toronto in particular, it is a very uh, plugged in place, like with you know lots of like even more people are online. Um, you know, a younger, younger-ish fan base that that has that is keen to to hop online and and to mobilize, and also we have that uh, what's it called? Oh yeah, the raging uh, inferiority complex where we're like, <laughs> please like us, please like, acknowledge us, we're good at stuff. Uh, so that helps too, and it's probably helped uh, a few different Canadians along the way. But yeah, I mean, again, so Vlad's going to go; he's going to start. Marcus Simeon is probably going to go. Bo Bichette seems like a very a pretty likely guy, as as I've now realized. Uh, Vlad, of course, is not going to do the home run derby. How do you feel, Caitlin? You think that's a missed opportunity for his brand, turning into into Darren Ravel here? <laughs> <laughs> um, that's interesting. I mean, I do think that um, by choosing to sit out the home run derby, Vlad is making sort of a really, you could say professionally responsible decision. He recognizes that he's had an incredible first half of the year. He recognizes that part of that has been, you know, how well he's kept his body, his fitness, his conditioning, all of that. Um, he's also a guy that, as he told us a couple days ago, wants to play every day. He was actually the, I think he was the only Blue Jay who played every game last year. And if people forget that, it, it was just 60 games, but he played every day. He was the only one. I think Kevin Biggio was second. But, um, and and Vlad, I think, has played every day this year. I don't think he's had a, a day off yet. And he does not want to have any days off. The only days off he wants to have are the ones where the whole team is off. That's what he told us. What a great line and, that was. <laughs> and so he kind of, yeah, it was like, it was a funny question. I think Shai Davidi asked it. And he was like, um, you know, the question was like, Charlie, Charlie asked him wants like, to, what days yeah. do you want to off? And he and pointed like, to the off days on the schedule, on the calendar. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's like, uh, the days I want off are the days, uh, this day, this day, which also happens to be the off days uh, for the team. So that's where he stands. And I think he recognizes that the all-star um, break is an opportunity where he can rest, have a few days to rest. And and the thing is, he's a participated in the home run derby. And it's not like the last time when he participated, he kind of like fizzled out. I mean, he had, it was a record number of home runs he hit in that derby. Obviously, he lost in the final round to Alonzo. But Did he? Yeah, well, you know, debatable. <laughs> kind of like the twenty fifteen. I remember it. <laughs> kind of like the twenty fifteen World Series that didn't happen. Mm, um, that's a lot of those black. <laughs> a lot of those things. Yeah, they just you know not in the record books for some reason. Anyway, um, so I just think that he's done it, and maybe he just feels like at this point he wants to focus on himself and his season and sort of the numbers that matter. And he is always, 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 always a team first guy. Uh, I can't emphasize that enough. The, the, the number of times you ask Vlad, do you look at your numbers? Do you look at this individual stuff? No, no, no. He only cares about the team winning. And so it does not surprise me whatsoever that part of his decision was probably resting, getting ready for the second half so that he can be the best player possible um, in the second half to help the Blue Jays. And I think it was the right thing for him to do uh, for himself, for the team, for his own fitness. Uh, he doesn't have that much to gain. I think in terms of like what it means for him again, especially if he's already the, the top vote getter, mm-hmm. but more importantly, it is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. knowing Vladimir Guerrero Jr. knowing when he is bested. And that's to say that if to go up against Shohei Otani in a home run hitting <laughs> contest, it's a fool's errand. And I pity anyone who dares compete against Otani who wanted to do it. He's the first Japanese player to ever do it. That was one of the reasons that he signed up so early, put out like a cool hype video of him hitting bombs. Uh, Shohei Otani, as I mentioned before, hit one of the most ridiculous home runs I've ever seen in my entire life today. Uh, he is the most, the biggest freak of nature who's ever lived. And we are lucky to watch him every single day. And uh, what were we talking about? Why have Vlad? Uh, also, I think, you know, speaking of the Orioles, as we have been, and running them down, denigrating them as they deserve, uh, running their <laughs> name through the mud. Uh, but if Vlad takes a, 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 takes a seat and decided not to go in, it has offered, uh, allowed an opportunity for Trey Mancini to, uh, to take, it, to take a, mm-hmm. a, a turn in the home run derby, which a glimmer of, uh, of, of good news in a miserable uh, Orioles existence. And uh, awesome, obviously, for Trey Mancini, who uh, recovered and with early detection, uh, well, if you don't remember, was found out found to have colon cancer last year. Went through cancer-free, back playing, was having a decent season, had a rough weekend against the Blue Jays, who, uh, who uh, did a great job of getting him out. But uh, great story, easy guy to root for uh, as far as Orioles go. So let him get in there, have some fun, hit some balls into the thin air. Um, I think he also the other side of that too. So from a health and safety perspective, having those poor kids running around in the outfield um, with Vlad hitting, <laughs> not good. I don't think that's yeah. good for anybody. Also, let's uh, just, hmm? go. Just finally, yeah, go. helping Vlad's brand would be winning MVP this year. So maybe he's thinking, yeah, the home run derby could be cool, but if I win triple crown and I win MVP, that would help my brand too. That ship sailed. This, this circles back sailed. to Shohei Otani. It always does. Those 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 ballots have been rubber stamped. I think all the way. Like he's going to have to have an even better season than he's already having if he's going to beat Otani as the MVP. Unless Otani gets hurt and isn't able to like finish the season pitching. But if he keeps well, stupidly, like obviously, if Otani keeps has like a one thousand OPS 
at the plate and like a 250 ERA, he's going to win the MVP. Like mm-hmm. it would be a, a what kind of world? I don't want to live in that world. I don't care how many <laughs> fucking home runs Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hits. Give it to Otani. Not just because if you go back through the through the through the annals, if you go on go if you listen through the ad through the app, go outside of the app, go to Spotify, go to Apple Podcast. You go back to March. I bet you Cam producer Cam could tell us when we did an ad and it was like a this is for BetMGM was a sponsor for the thing and I was like Bet. Your money on Otani to win the AL MVP in March. Go back and find it. I'm going to be so smug. It's going to be more so. It's going to be unbelievable because I don't get many things right. So when I do, it's going to be victory lap city. Let me tell you. You should. I wish everyone could see the look on Caitlin's face right now. It's so thoroughly unimpressed. <laughs> <laughs> I was like trying to think if I had anything to say, and I was like, oh, just let him have this one. Just yeah, that's about it. That's all you can do. There, there's him, no, there's no break in my stride. T- just let him tucker himself out with this, and we'll move on to another. I, it's like soon. I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the, the, the home run derby uh, in my own high altitude up my own ass. So. <laughs> <laughs> let me think. I'm gonna ask you some questions, Caitlin. I'm gonna put you okay. on the spot. Okay. To the Blue Jays. We, you wrote about trades this week. I did. Potential trades, some trades we talked about. Which, boy, uh, oh, boy, is it fun to write about trades. Most commented story I've had in ages. Really? People hate him. People, people hate anything you write about people trades. People don't. So this is, what my, this is my assessment from what I saw, reading your story, going through some of the comments, seeing some of the replies on Twitter. The trades that you proposed, I think, were fair and, like, striving to be legitimate. Mm-hmm. Like that's what, that's when I that's how I approach life. Put that get that <laughs> tattoo across your forehead, striving to be legitimate. <laughs> but like, would Team X do this? Would the Blue Jays do this? Which I think a lot of the times people don't like that. They want you to go in and propose like a highway robbery. Like, <laughs> yeah. what if we gave away the thing that we don't like for the thing that that we need the most? That's how this is going to work. So right. when people, so like, for example, and, and, and here's the, the, the thing that we can talk a little bit about to kick off a little bit of this conversation, some of the trade stuff, which was the idea of trading Alejandro Kirk mm-hmm. really irked some people, yeah. which I'm surprised by. Now, I'm obviously, surprised Reece, by too, because Reece, I feel like, like a few months ago, we were talking about how much surplus the Blue Jays have in catchers and how can they, um, you know, take advantage of this having five catchers on their 40 man, which is sort of unheard of. And there's actually a perfect opportunity where you're seeing which guy could net you a lot back and who does seem to be sort of like surplus. Um, And yeah, people, people weren't having it anyway, go on. So number one is, you know, what, what is it, what is it that makes, any one of the Blue Jays catchers surplus. Number one, I think that Alejandro Kirk has more value than some of the others because of the things that he's been able to show at the big leagues, but he's also shown it in these like delightful little snippets mm-hmm. where there hasn't been the time to get exposed like a guy like Danny Jansen has already experienced. So Danny Jansen has a little, his value is very low right now. Reese McGuire, his value is, is, we saw what his value was when the Blue Jays outrighted him off the 40 man and nobody bit. So yeah. Reese McGuire is not a player who has a lot of value. Gabby Moreno's value right now through the roof. But 
as such, he's never been to the big leagues. You know, he's, 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 his service time isn't ticking yet. His value is as high as it's ever going to be in a way. But also, he's that, that valuable to the Blue Jays as well. Mm-hmm. It's Kirk, I think, is in that unique sort of in-between liminal space of like, he's both a prospect, but also a guy who's done some stuff at the big leagues. But I just have a lot of, I don't know, I don't know about you. Okay, well, let me ask you then, why include Kirk in a trade as opposed to somebody else? What made you include him when you're in your hypothetical trade uh, trades? Well, that was a trade with the Pirates for, I think I proposed um, Richard Rodriguez and um, Moran, Colin Moran. And uh, Bowden came back and just said, I think it's fair, more fair to just say Kirk for the reliever. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people see a catcher for a reliever and that immediately rubs them the wrong way because I think there's a sort of an understanding that you can get relievers really cheap. And like, to some extent you can get rental relievers relatively cheap. Like that usually does not, if you're getting a guy who's going to come throw a, you know, few innings for you and he's going to be a free agent. Yeah. It usually only costs like a mid to low level prospect. But, um, Rodriguez, I think has two and a half years of control. So he's, so he, is not a free agent until 2024, I think, or like after the 2023 season. Mm -hmm. So there's quite a bit more control. Yes, are relievers volatile? Of course, right? Like you could never predict them year to year. And so I hear people saying, why would you give up Kirk for a reliever? Because, you know, every offseason you can go pick up relievers that can get the job done for you. And the thing that I approached it is like, and that was the one where I almost like, there's a, your voice was in my head a few times when I was writing these ones, especially the Texas Rangers one. But the one that this one, I heard you say kind of thing is like, sometimes you do have to overpay. And if you're in the Blue Jays in this position, maybe overpaying for a reliever a little bit is worth it right now. And I just looked at the Blue Jays catching situation seeing Moreno potentially leapfrog Kirk and everybody else (laughs) in the catching um, catchers on the Blue Jays. And then you see Reese McGuire kind of holding his own. I know the team really likes Danny Jansen for sort of like defensive and uh, other interpersonal skills and like intangibles Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So they're happy to have Danny Jansen there as a backup if that's what it comes to. Um, So And then, you know, Riley Adams been a bit exposed, but potentially it's only been a handful of games and whatever. Mm -hmm. you. But just like Kirk to me looked like the guy that's like, he's going to get you a lot. He's going to get you what you need. Teams always have wanted him. And to some extent, the Blue Jays have held on to him for a long time because he was their catcher of the future potentially but then you see what Moreno's doing and you kind of argue well maybe at this point Kirk's expendable because maybe what Moreno's doing you can get that in a year and a half maybe a year from now and maybe he does things a little bit more athletically and more than Kirk and maybe he does it for a longer time and so that's why I think that Kirk was the one guy and not to say that Kirk is he's a good player and the Blue Jays if they didn't have to trade him they would him wouldn't but I just think like He's a guy that has a lot of value, and I think he can get almost essentially whatever the Blue Jays want if they're willing to trade him. I think that you've you've touched on it perfectly, or you've you've touched on the point that I'm that I'm that I've been thinking about too. And this, this is very similar to the conversation we had about Nate Pearson, which is like to not get hung up on the number of their ordinal ranking. Right, Nate Pearson is a very highly ranked prospect for good reason, but also the what we're seeing now is the inherent and high level of risk 
in Nate Pearson's profile, risk that has only significantly increased here in 2021 as we're coming up into July, right? There's a ton of risk in Nate Pearson's profile. So while there's a chance and he has a high ceiling, the floor for Nate Pearson is very low because if he doesn't pitch, then there's no floor. Or if he's not able, if he's like a million different guys that we can rattle off who have, you know, these unbelievable arms and crazy stuff who A, were never able to get healthy, B, were never able to, to, to find command when, when they needed it, or, or C, a combination of those two things. Pearson has a ton of risk. I think the, the thing with Kirk is that Kirk has a ton of risk as well. Turk, Kirk has a ton of risk. And I saw someone was, we were t- going back and forth and they were saying like, well, why would you give up six years of, of control with Kirk? And it's like, like, let's, let's be honest or let's be real or let's just be pragmatic and think like, what are the chances that Alejandro Kirk hits free agency having burned through his pre-arb years and then his arbitration eligible years? So six years of, 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 of big league service time. Does Alejandro Kirk strike you as the kind of guy that has a good chance of getting there in good stead? I don't know that he does. There's a lot of risk in his profile. He's not, as the word you used was athletic. He's not as athletic as some of the other catchers. You know, he, he, he is not a guy who took a ton of walks, right? He can obviously hit. There's no doubting that. But that athleticism, because of his, you know, because they've rushed him to the big leagues, A, he doesn't necessarily have or hasn't been, um, building up the defensive skills and the, and the sort of defensive um, Rolodex in terms of uh, as a catcher doing all the things that's required of catchers. They wouldn't have moved into the big leagues if they didn't, if he didn't have the baseline of skill, but also, and I, and I don't remember who may, who may have said this, but like I, I see a guy like Kirk and I think about um, any big risky pitcher in that this, this guy has a somewhat limited shelf life that his body and his approach and his defensive skills going to make him viable as a big leaguer, as a, as a, as a, as a contributing catcher for a limited amount of space. Let's do, if, if he can hit the big league fastball, let's see, let's use that time. However long it is in the big leagues, rather than have him languish and sort of go systematically step by step by step. I think that, that there might be that risk profile involved with Kirk that's different than a guy like Mourinho, even different than Danny Jansen. Reese McGuire, who, who um, his, when he first came up in particular, his defense really struck out to me. Like I loved to watch him catch, and I tweeted about it right as he started to go on this long hot streak, and it was like he might just hit well enough to have a long, long, mm-hmm. long career. Because he's the kind of catch and throw guy who calls a great game, who, who is, who is so good behind the plate, who will have a long career. Well, Kirk, I think is maybe kind of the opposite of that. So if there was somebody that another, another team was willing to take on that risk that thinks that, no, we, we believe in Kirk. We think that he's a guy who can give us four, five, six good years. And in exchange for a reliever, that's, that's a, that's a good trade for that team too. But sometimes, when you factor that risk into the profile, maybe it makes it a little bit easier to make a move like that if you are the Toronto Blue Jays, who, again, are dealing from a, dealing from a position of depth, where if it was only Kirk and then like a bunch of guys, you know, in the Dominican League or wherever else, maybe we're not having this conversation. But the depth that they've built up allows them to look at a risky yet attractive prospect and say, 
maybe this is one that's going to get some things done for us. Yeah, exactly. You you said it well. And um, I think that's that's the main point for me, or one of the main points, is that it's the, it's the depth they have at Catchy. And it's not – it's legitimate depth. Like Moreno, I mean, you guys, we never know, but he, he does look like a, a real guy right now. And everything that I've heard, I remember like – I think Keith Law's podcast, Andrew Tinnish was on it like a few months ago. And mm-hmm. Moreno was a guy that he kind of raved about. And I remember like hearing things like when they called Moreno to the alternate site last year, he really – like crushed it like he did really well he's obviously carried that momentum and yeah like you could look at guys and say well Danny Jansen was a hit first catcher in the minor leagues I mean he wasn't putting up these types of numbers um but yeah anything can happen but of course you can say that you you kind of just laid out the same thing with Kirk is that you know his sample is still relatively small and you never know the shelf life of him and and you could sort of uh, this could be like the, the peak of his value. And mm-hmm, you're right. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you're right that like prospects, some of them, their value kind of peaks even before they've hit the major leagues. Um, but Kirk is in that really sweet spot where he's shown enough in the major leagues where you can, you can say he can hit the major league fastball. Um, he can do things at the major league level, um, but he's still young enough. He's still in that prospect kind of bubble where a team would be a team like the pirates or insert other rebuilder here would be willing to take that on because he is young enough and he does have that control and he, that, that his age would line up probably with a lot of the other guys that they're coming up in their system to be a team that is um, a contender in, you know, three, four years or whatever, whatever the pirates timeline is. I don't know. Don't have a timeline. <laughs> More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash. Or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant. Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is me mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, but I, I think that, that that's a that's a good place. I think that's a good place to end on. I think that that if you haven't read Caitlin's story on uh, on the trades, I think you should you should go and check it out. I think that uh, uh, I think Jim Jim Bowden is that how you pronounce his last name? I'm I, I think so. I, 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 my heart says Bowden, but I don't know that that's any writer. But that's maybe like 
Florida State Seminoles, Bobby Bowden, back in the old day. Anyway, some good proposals in there. And like, yeah, giving up a guy like Kirk is hard. You know, yeah. it's, it's it easy be to an love. Easy, it wouldn't be an easy trade. Like it would be. That's a it lot. Would, it would be like a blockbustery trade. I mean, it wouldn't involve the many people, but it would be seen as like, this is a huge trade. Like it would not be like trading mm-hmm. their 30th prospect, whoever that is. It would be really, that, that's one of those deals that, that would produce a lot of like good snarky scout quotes, like anonymous National League scout would be like, <laughs> I don't know, that, that kid can hit a aspirin at night. I don't know what they're doing trading him. And somebody else would be like, get that stuff away from me. Nobody, well, I, and then one thing that, that we didn't say, and I saw somebody say uh, on social, may have said it to us, uh, to me was like, um, well, even because you know, he, he can't hit, right? And even if he doesn't stick his catcher, he can always DH. And it's like, those days are over, man. There's nobody who's a full-time DH, right? Who's a full-time DH? Nelson Cruz. J.D. Martinez? Right? Yeah, I guess so. They had, they stuck him in the outfielder for a while. But like, those are fewer and far between. And those are guys yeah. are, are are not, you're not, you know, those are guys who have long track records of mm-hmm. just destroying the baseball. <laughs> where yeah. you're like, we got nothing else we can do other than pay this guy to hit. And, yeah, and, uh, and and look at like when your team built like the Blue Jays, look at how kind of like Rowdy Telez was kind of boxed out because he played first base. First base is a position he shared with Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who became the best hitter in baseball. And mm-hmm. then he was D- DH. But if you're a team like the Blue Jays and you're in a position where you have four outfielders that can hit and you want to get their bat into the lineup and then you kind of a guy like Rowdy, and he wasn't hitting. That was the issue too. Rowdy mm-hmm. was is mm-hmm. not on the team because he wasn't hitting, not just because he was a DH, but just in, in in theory, those types of guys, like they're few and far between. Like the 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 Blue Jays' um, coveting of vers- positional versatility is not just a Blue Jays thing. All teams are looking for that now. Teams, all teams want guys that can play multiple positions, um, or you know, if they can't, um, just can move around. Right. And so if you, you, if you're talking about like a guy like Kirk and he, he gets pushed out of catcher and the only thing that he can do is DH, it's like, well then one half the league is cut off from him. <laughs> then he's mm-hmm. got to get traded over to the AL again. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I don't think that that's necessarily a realistic path for him. It's not. And it's unfortunate. And again, it, and if they if, he, if they don't make a trade, if if the Blue Jays decide that like Alejandro Kirk is too valuable to trade for a reliever in midseason, I don't think anyone's going to look at them askance, you know. And and if it's if they again if they view their options and are like you know what the unexposed version of Gabriel Moreno is in fact worth the most, and we can get some big ass piece you know next winter or whenever it might be, um, then so be it. But. Uh, it's a it's a difficult and that's that's why they make the big bucks because they need to make those kinds of really challenging decisions and really you know you have to be able to accept and and if I'll, and if the Blue Jays trade someone like Alejandro Kirk and they go and he goes and he rakes and next thing you know he's you know this amazing hitting catcher awesome because as, as we kind of talked about before and that's something I say all the time I stole from Jamie Newberger the Athletic too that like you want people to believe in your player development system. And if the Blue Jays were able to sign a guy, you know, out of Mexico, which isn't quite the baseball hotbed that it may have once been, and and turn him into a big league ready catcher straight out of A ball, that I think A speaks volumes about Alejandro Kirk, and B speaks volumes about the way the Blue Jays are developing hitters and, and is the kind of thing that's going to get people excited, as opposed to about the Samad Taylors and about the Kevin Smith. So it's like, oh, they've just put him in a situation where he, oh, he's taking advantage of the ballpark in New Hampshire or whatever, as opposed to being like, they're onto something there in Toronto. They're creating good hitters out of thin air. They're taking guys with obvious skills and helping them get to the next level. We can believe 
when they offer us this this player for something that we think is worth a bit more, but it's only good for business long term. And let me just say, I can completely empathize with, well, not completely, but I can empathize <laughs> with GMs and Ross Atkins having to make those decisions because, oh my gosh, just writing a trade proposal piece was so difficult. I'm not even going to tell you how many hours it took me to write that because it's embarrassing how long it took me. (laughs) (laughs) How long I slaved over who to trade and what names made sense. And I'm like inputting them in that like online, like trade machine and trying to make sense. And like, do I have this value right? And like rewriting the trades and just hoping to God that they just at least seemed like in the realm of possibility. I even told my editor, like, look, if he sends this back and is like, these are hard no on all these, then I'll just redo it. But like, I just, I can't, I can't like change these (laughs) trades anymore. So like, honestly, like the idea that like, and I was just writing, like none of that is going to happen. It's all hypothetical. I don't lose Mm -hmm. anything. I'm not going to lose my job if I got the trade wrong. Like it, you know, it's just all for fun, but it was stressful to even like try and think because you, I want to write them legitimately, right? Like as, as you said before, like I want them to seem like in the realm of possibility that at least people could kind of argue or have fun with or say, I like that. I don't like that. I like part of that. Mm-hmm. I don't like part of that. And instead of just saying, and of course people are going to say these are all overpays or these are all, all outrageous. Like a lot of people are going to say that because that's just what comes out of trade pieces. That's just the reaction people have. But mm-hmm. I think, I think I was fairly fair in what I came what what I came up with, but it was just, it was hard work. It was really hard work. No, ma- like no wonder like GMs are on the phone and, you know, they don't see their family for days or weeks and <laughs> the trade deadline. And, and it, you know, when the winter meetings, there's like, ho- they're locked in hotel rooms and there's like mountains and mountains of snacks. Like that's kind of like, I spent one day trying to make up hypotheticals and I was like exhausted. I took three days off after actually. <laughs> <laughs> can you, can you, imagine what it must be like in like the blue jays internal like the analytics team's uh, slack channel for example Ugh. one of them being like you know what you know what uh, he's called me crazy i think we should trade uh, kirk uh for uh, richard rodriguez <laughs> and having all these people being like what the are you thinking about have you seen the way he hits like people yelling at each other internally i can only imagine i'm sure it was that, all these gifts the, all these crazy all these, gifts and slap <laughs> <laughs> emoji reactions head exploding emoji reactions i can't uh, i can't recommend highly enough just kind of popping off randomly on twitter just being like bring me joey gallo and then like that's all that's the only thinking i have to do and then somebody asks me about it like what would you trade i'm like uh and then that. you just like come up and then you just, instead of thinking out and being like, well, how, the ba- how does the value check out? You just start making asinine comments, like just grab someone from Texas and throw them in the mix and like, see what happens. Like it, it works <laughs> for me. That, that my system works for me. <laughs> that was the true, the Texas trade was the true Groff sponsored trade. <laughs> it was like Gallo comes in, Biggio goes out. You got greedy though with Kyle, with the Gibson in there as well. I did because because I realized I this is what happened. Here I'll pull back the curtain. This is what happened is I realized that Kyle Gibson was like probably a guy that they would look at as like starter because he has control and like it would make mm-hmm. sense and like maybe you don't believe in his numbers but it seems like he's a guy that I should have in this piece. Mm-hmm. And then I realized well I can't do another trade with Texas because like I don't want to do a whole other trade so I just threw him in and made it a blockbuster. I'm like well this won't happen but let me just load up these names send them Kloffenstein he's from Texas. Grinchik is from Texas. Grinchik is from Texas. Bijio's from Texas. There you go. You know <laughs> the brand is so strong. What have you got for the people this week on theathletic.com? 
Um, well, this week I have um, a thing coming up where I'm doing trivia Tuesday this week. So I'm doing, I'm going to do Canadian baseball trivia in, cel- in celebration of Canada Day later this week, which in a baseball context, it's just going to be about Canadian Passports. baseball players. Passports. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fair enough. Fair enough. I signed I, yeah. up. I signed up for it months ago. Interesting about. Uh, do you think? Do, uh, never mind. It's not worth talking about. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is Dominican. The man's Dominican. He's got a Dominican passport. And he says, "I'm Dominican." He must play. He'll when the time comes, he'll play for the Dominican. Let's let him be Dominican. You know what I mean? I feel like there's a little bit of like an unseemly, like. Canadian born, like, eh, just let him be Dominican, man. He's yeah. Dominican. He's a Dominican man. That's who he is. Exactly. That's awesome. Trivia Tuesday. By the time you hear this, you'll be able to make a note. Check that out on theathletic.com. You can also, uh, I will probably try to have a couple newsletters up this week about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He makes it a little bit easier from time to time. I think I might have to write about him swinging at the first pitch again. Because it's like, I wrote about it before because he destroys the first pitch. And then he just continues to destroy the first pitch. It is crazy. But like, it's the ultimate thing, right? You can't, you don't want him to hit a home run or to hit the ball hard on the first pitch. But you don't want to fall behind. If you go behind 1-0 to Vladimir Guerrero Jr., you're, you're, you're just as screwed as if he, well, you're effectively as screwed as if he hits a ball out of the ballpark. Because... Once you're behind him, you're not catching up. He's having a truly special season, and I hope everybody enjoys it. Because it, as good as he is, it might not be like this again. So enjoy it. Every single at bat, you don't know how it's going to end other than you figure it's going to end with a ball hit very hard in a positive direction almost all the time. So read Caitlin's Trivia Tuesday. Sign up for the Drew Groff, what's it called, newsletter about Vlad. Subscribe to the podcast. My name is Caitlin McGrath. My name is Drew Fairservice. We'll talk to you next time on Spinning.